Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. I kid with this man a lot, and we've got a really, really great friendship, but I just absolutely value what he does on behalf of Dr. History. Last week he started, which is going to be kind of a little mini-series about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and last week we kind of met uh, Butch Cassidy. We kind of found out about his history, bringing up his name change and that. Now Dr. History is going to take us a step further. So this week we're going to talk more about the outlaw part of him, and then next week we will do the uh, conclusion that you have to decide if you think he died in South America or not. So we won't even touch that part today. Okay. All right. All right. So here we are, the Wyoming years, 1889 to 1894. So You know, really, i got to stop you right there. That's not too long no, before you was, and I were born. <laughs> well, you especially. <laughs> So, Butch Parker, uh, he uh, split from his partners, Matt Warner and Tim McCarty, and with the Telluride robbery that they did, this is when Butch really crossed the line from small-time rustler to full-fledged, full-time outlaw, and it was this point he dropped the name Parker. As you recall, folks, his name was Robert Leroy Parker. This is where he started using the name Cassidy after his childhood hero, Mike Cassidy. Now... Good friend of mine, Dennis Crane. Now, Dennis, I hope you're listening because he came up to me a couple of days ago and said, I think Butch got his name Butch from working in a butcher shop. And that is quite likely. However, another version is that Butch uh, got his nickname from Matt Warner. Matt Warner had a gun that had such a kick that it, call, it, it was called a Butch. They called the gun Butch. So whether he was named after a gun or after working in a, as a butcher, we don't know. Mm. But one or the other. Thanks, Dennis. Well, Dennis didn't ride with that outlaw band, did he? He's a year older than me. I see. So, yeah. Anyway, so Cassidy spent so little uh, little or no time actually in the actual hole-in-the-wall area. He may have passed through the area or stopped to visit a friend, but he did not live there. I thought he did. It was later that the media associated Butch Cassidy with the -the hole-in-the-wall and even creating the outlaw gang named the -the hole-in-the-wall gang. And there is no actual hole, nor is it a Box Canyon. Now you're losing me. Really? Yeah. The hole was used, though, by two cowboys by the name of Flat Nose Curry, you've heard of him, and Kid Curry. Those two outlaws, uh, uh, Harvey Logan was Kid Curry. Okay. They used it, uh, but uh, Butch Cassidy really did not well, use it. Well, was there much. a place hole in the wall yeah. or not? Yeah. There, there was. There's a place, okay. but not quite the way Hollywood has done it. I see. Now, here we are, 1891. Butch is now 25 years old. He purchased three saddle horses and a a sorrel, a gray, and a brown from a guy by the name of Billy Nutcher. Now, unfortunately, Butch failed to get a bill of sale when he bought these horses. Well, uh, a complaint was filed. Uh, the theft was reported. Uh, a posse headed out to, to Star Valley, Wyoming, for Cassidy and his buddy named Heiner, who was his friend. Well, the posse arrested Heiner without incident. Uh, they arrested Butch. And uh, actually, in 1894, Butch was put on trial. He was pronounced guilty and was sentenced to the Wyoming State Penitentiary for the term of two years of hard labor. So this is his first stint, I guess, basically being in jail. 
Now, because Butch's prison term was only two years, he was not required to work. He was allowed to remain in his cell and could read books from the prison library. Now, a lot of those guys, you know, back then, Zeb, it was years of hard labor where they were actually out breaking rock or whatever. In the hot sun. Yeah. But Butch was a model prisoner. However, his sister Lula, now let me go back. Lula is Lula's great-grandson that wrote this book. Okay. Okay. Let's Bill, let's let's decide that a little bit. Uh, make it more uh, discerning. Okay. Bill Bentonson is the author of the book about the life of Butch Cassidy, and, and it was his great grandmother exactly. that was a sister sister to Butch's mother. No, to Butch. To Butch. She was a sister to Butch. Ah. Okay. So she was the youngest. He was the oldest. I see. So, yeah, Lulu was a sister to Butch Cassidy. Okay. Okay, now let's go over to Montpelier, Idaho. Uh, You've been there. I've been there. In fact, that's where I got this book. Because they have a little, and I I suggest any visitors over there stop in. There's a little museum, a Butch Cassidy museum, that was a bank that Butch robbed. And you were there. I went there, and that's where I got this book about Butch, which is the best book I've ever written about it. So uh, Bill Bentonson, for my listeners, Butch Cassidy, My Uncle. That's the name of the book. So uh, we're just covering part of this. So uh, get the book and read it. So anyway, uh, 1896, just six months after Books was released from the Wyoming Territorial Prison, the Lander newspaper reported that Books was wanted for stealing a herd of cattle. Now, uh, Books, along with his friends, the guy named Elsie Lay and Bob Meeks, uh, decided to rob a bank. Well, the true considered banks in Logan, Utah and Evanston, Wyoming, before deciding on the Montpelier, Idaho Bank. No kidding. Now, Butch was familiar with not the Montpelier area, as well as the neighboring area, Cokeville, Wyoming. So it was kind of familiar territory, so, which would make it maybe more of an enticement to rob that bank. Okay, now, size-wise, you're talking Montpelier. Evanston was a more established bank. And what was the other one? Montpelier and Logan. Logan. Logan was I'm bigger. sure larger population. Right. Why did they choose Montpelier? I, don't know. I just think it was because he was familiar I with see. the area. Okay. So the three bandits, uh, using aliases, which they did a lot back then, uh, the trio stopped at O'Connor Saloon at 2.30 on the afternoon of August 13th, 1896, for a little bit of, uh, I guess you'd call liquid courage. You know, you had to get yourself tuned up to this, right? Well, I have no idea. I, me neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they waited for the bank to close, and it had been seven years since Butch had robbed a bank. So he was okay for He's a while. He's a little rusty. Yeah, but not that bad. I see. So just before closing at 3.15 p.m., Butch and Bub Meeks entered the bank. Elsie Lay stayed outside as a lookout. Butch pulled his revolver and demanded access to the area behind the teller's cage. Cassidy quickly entered the vault, gathered the gold and silver. Butch put out, put all the loot in a bag, and they figured it's about seven thousand dollars, which is not big, but it's it is pretty big. Yeah. So anyway, Cassidy and Meeks left the bank, mounted their horses, and the trio took off out of town. Now get this: uh, Deputy Sheriff Fred Krushank grabbed the closest transportation, a bicycle. And whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I knew you'd catch that. You're not kidding. I'm not he kidding. He actually grabbed a bicycle, yeah, yeah, I guess and so. these guys were on horseback. Right. He's going to chase them. 
So he followed, hoping. There's a joke like that. I'll tell you after we're off the air. Anyway, he was hoping to find at least where the guys had headed. Maybe, uh, anyway. So now we move on. Uh, 1866, now Butch is 31 years old. He spent the winter of 1896-97 in Robber's Roost on the lower Green River in Utah. Yeah. So Butch and Elsie Lay planned to rob the Pleasant Valley Coal Company payroll in Castle Gate, which is near Price, Utah. That's quite a bit south. Yeah, so that's yeah, so that's Utah. You've yeah. been through there, maybe. Yeah. So they took nearly a year in planning. That's one thing that was characteristic. They were very careful about planning their robberies. Uh, the robbery was to be uh, done during broad daylight. They had tra- horses they had trained for a year to, for this robbery. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. What did they do for training on their horses? I suppose they just ran them. <laughs> just like you would a racehorse. Okay. You just run them until they have right. good wind, you know. Or to stand still while the bullets are flying. <laughs> I guess. So here it is, 1897, the Rio Grande Western Passenger Train arrived. Two employees carried the payroll from the train across the tracks to the mine office, which is about 100 yards away. The mine office was actually located on the top floor of a two-story building. Mm-hmm. And it, had, it was accessed by outside stairs, which a lot of them did. The payroll consisted of three or four sacks. One, just one sack held $7,000 in gold. Well, as the employees prepared to climb the outside stairs with these four sacks, a kind of rough-looking character, Nate, later identified as Butch, stepped up and said, quote, drop them sacks and hold up your hands. Well, Butch reached down, grabbed sacks of gold. They tossed them up to L.G. Lay, his, bar, his partner, who was still on a horse. And for a moment, Butch was in trouble because his horse started to pull away. You know how a horse will, oh, when yeah. you're trying to get on him, he's yeah. backing up. Anyway, Butch ran a few yards, threw himself on his horse, and they rode off following L.G. Lay with everyone standing around wondering what in the heck just happened. <laughs> Nobody fired any shots. No, they just took off. They were just shocked. Wow. So anyway, as a result of these daring robberies in Montpelier and Castlegate, Butch received a lot of press in the Western newspapers through 1897 and 1898. And Butch Cassidy and his gang, as they were called, they were actually blamed for robberies that they really probably were never where involved did, in. Where did they hide out? Um, they... They they just, a lot of times, they actually went to uh, uh, and started working someplace on a ranch or something. You know, and it's and, amazing to me with the Internet and everything today. I mean, basically, and your smartphones that can track you wherever you are 24-7. Wow. But keep in mind, Zeb, they always used aliases. Whenever they took off and went out someplace, they, uh, they always And used. they didn't have cameras to take pictures, no. did they? No. Well, yeah, they for, did have For cameras. wanted posters? Yeah, they did. Have but they cameras. had to catch them first. Right. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, are you ready for this next robbery? Okay, here, where's it going to be? 1899. Okay. A Union Pacific train was robbed near Wilcox, Wyoming. The train was westbound. The warning light consisted of two flashing lights, a red and a white lantern, that signified uh, danger ahead. So the train stopped. 
quickly. Uh, the mast men jumped on the engine, and they unhooked the rest of the train. The engine pulled down the tracks a couple of miles. Now, here's a name you may remember from the movie. The express agent Ernest Charles Woodcock. I do, <laughs> because they were going, Woodcock, get over there and yes. lay down. He locked the door, and he yelled that he would shoot anybody that tried to come in. The bandits responded by throwing lit dynamite towards the car, which blew out the express car wall, knocked Woodcock in unconscious. The outlaws tried without success to revive him so he could open the safe, because he was out. <laughs> it didn't kill him. No. And when he did not seem to be regaining consciousness, they used more dynamite to blow the safe, uh, but used a little too much, and the explosion completely wrecked the train, blew a hole in the safe, and the bather, get, bandits basically gathered up what was left of the uh, whatever was not oh, damaged. Uh, okay, i got to ask you a question there. Okay. In the movie, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they were together on that robbery. Right. And when they were laying on the ground after the dollar bills were floating in the air, Sundance looked at Butch and said, uh, use a little bit too much dynamite there, Butch. <laughs> and the ironic thing is, uh, the next time this train was robbed, not by Butch, Woodcock was in there as well. Oh, no. When they used, uh, yeah. So. yeah. All right, now here we are going to 1900. He's eight. He's 34 now. Now, this is actually, Sundance, I don't think it was with him on that train robbery. Because it says... So they hadn't got together yet. No, no. Oh. So Butch and Sundance met about 1900, and a guy named Will Carver, they uh, took a job, uh, uh, and they were going to rob the bank in Winnemucca, Nevada. And you've been there, too. Yeah. So the newspaper account said that Sundance, Butch, and Carver had been hiding in a place called Powder Springs. Uh, Sundance was sent to Winnemucca to kind of check things out. And there was actually an interview later. And in the interview, uh, said that Butch and Carver went to Twin Falls, Idaho to buy horses, which is 30 miles from us, Zeb, right yeah. over here. Well, in Twin Falls, they, Twin Falls really did not exist at that time. So somehow I, w- I wonder if they didn't go up well, Rock Creek. Okay, well that's what I'm gonna get to. Yeah. Yeah. So Twin Falls didn't exist. I need you to turn the mic a little bit more square. Oh, there sorry. You go. There you okay. Go. Good. I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> okay. So it's more likely that they uh, rode the train to Shoshone, Idaho. Okay, and bought horses there. And in the Rock Creek area, again, just a few miles from us right here, Zeb, before heading to Three Creek, the three outlaws met up at Three Creek near the Nevada-Idaho border. In 1910, a Montana newspaper interview said they robbed a store to get supplies. So just right over here, not very far from us. So on the same night as the store robbery, there were four horses that were stolen from a ranch. And once the three outlaws arrived in Winnemucca, September 9th, they set up camp. And for 10 days, they made regular trips into town. And uh, at this time, a lot of the cowboys were out rounding up cattle. This is Elko, right? No, Winnemucca. Over in Winnemucca. Yeah. So they got into town. Uh, They went to a merchandise store that was a few blocks away. They then entered the bank through the front door, and the three outlaws didn't even wear masks. They, they figured, you know, they, they would know who they were. So the bank was nearly empty, and there was about five guys inside the bank, and Butch shouted to them, quote, Gentlemen, throw up your hands, be quick about it, and don't make any noise. 
So they did. Well, they quickly made work of that. They got the gold, and they got outside. And once outside, uh, they escorted their five uh, prisoners, so to speak, uh, out into the alley and told them, you know, do not make any noise or anything. Well, as soon as they took off on the horses, one of the guys grabbed a gun and shot it in the air. And But the, by this time, they're heading out of town. Okay, now, was this bagged gold? Yeah, four. Okay, gold dust? Well, I don't know. It doesn't because say. Because the weight... Yeah, the weight bothers me. That'd be pretty heavy. It would. So I don't know exactly how they how they did that. And where would they get rid of it to change it over to currency without being found? I, I would think they just have to go someplace far enough away. And you again using aliases, they could say their name was so and so, whatever. They did. Uh, Ken Turner. Yeah, they could. Yeah. I doubt it. But oh. anyway, okay. So here we are. It's 1901, New York City. Now, Butch... No, New York City! New York City. <laughs> Butch, Sundance, and Etta Place. Now, this is where she comes into the picture. And they were in New York City. They were staying at a boarding house. Uh, they told everybody that they were cattlemen from Wyoming. And... Uh, not a lot is known about Etta Place's really true identity. We don't even know if that really was her name. Where did she come from? We don't know much about Wasn't her. Wasn't she a school teacher? Don't know. Don't know. Well, you're supposed to. <laughs> well, I told you, there's not much okay. known. So, now, rumor exists that Etta may have been Butch's girlfriend before she got together with Sundance. And looking at a picture of Sundance, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, I mean, I, Butch is okay. Let me, let me see what okay. she looked like. Very pretty. Oh, she was. Very pretty lady. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, rumors uh, said that the, this is how they got together. Okay. Okay. Now, like in the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the trio, they enjoyed all the city had to offer, the restaurants, they had plenty of money. So, Butch, Sundance, and Etta, at this point, decided to travel to Argentina together. So, this is where we start heading down south. They departed in 1901 for Buenos Aires, South America. Butch and Sundance were determined to begin a new life as law-abiding citizens, planning to leave their outlaw days behind them in the States. And Butch actually tried to make connections to get uh, uh, pardoned, you know, if he would promise not to rob or steal. And, and But that never did. He, he contacted some of the government officials, and but they weren't willing to work with him. Did they know where he was? No. No, but he was willing to come back and face the music if they would leave him alone. But that didn't take place. So they went to South America, like I say, Buenos Aires, 1901. And they felt safer than they had in years because they knew the Pinkertons were after them. And down there they figured... The famous line in the movie... Who are, Who those, are guys? those guys? And once again, using aliases, which they again they did time and time again. So you know it was a good move because some of Butch's buddies back in the states that were outlaws, they got killed and locked up, and so it was a good move for them to head down. Yeah. Now, so they uh, set out for, uh, for a place called Patagonia and a valley called Cholila. And it's in a place called the Chub- Chubut Province. Now, this is in Bolivia? Yeah, uh, yeah Patagonia. Oh, yes. okay. All right. So the Chulila Valley was really remote. I know you're going to have trouble with this. <laughs> I am. It was beautiful. It, really a beautiful area. situated at the base of the Andes Mountains. And once they arrived in the valley, they lived in a tent for a while till they built a, uh, uh, a nice cabin for them. And Butch really had a good personality. People liked him. Uh, his neighbors grew to like him. He quickly made friends, outgoing personality, and they started ranching. What okay? about Sundance? 
I think he was a little more quiet. I, it doesn't really say about his personality. But it says that his neighbors were impressed and his talents with the pistol uh, impressed people. It said that he could uh, had a trick shot in which he would shoot a small object while leaning with one hand against a wall and spinning his pistol in the other hand. Okay, And it also says that the local police trusted Butch and Sundance. Again, probably because they didn't know who they were, yeah, and they were really. using alias, a, yeah. aliases, aliases, yeah. well, <laughs> other well, names. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. A little later, 1905, February 14th, a bank. Uh, now, get this, Ed, but it was 700 miles from Cholila, which is where, they, where their ranch was. It was robbed. In a place called Rio Gallegos, and it is near the Strait of Magellan by two English-speaking bandits. Okay, two English-speaking bandits. Okay, so Butch and Sundance were immediately suspected as the robbery uh, was conducted in a similar manner where they had fresh relays of horses. Okay, now there is proof, however, that Butch and Sundance were at the ranch in Cholila, 700 miles away, during this robbery. So they really could not... Have have robbed that, but two bandits were uh, American or English speaking. Yeah. So, okay. Now I know we're getting towards the end here, Zeb. Yeah, I got one. I got two minutes. Okay, one more robbery. Uh, 1905-1908, four men robbed a bank in what they call Villa Mercedes. The bandits were described as English ranchers. They had arrived in town a week before, stayed at a hotel. On the morning of the robbery, they were reportedly drinking. During the robbery, they exchanged shots with the bank manager, but they were able to get away. Now, Villa Mercedes is, again, a long way from where Butch and Sundance were, but they still suspected them of of robbing this bank. But... uh, and they were chased by a posse, and actually Butch made this comment years later, or a few years later. He said, in all his experiences, he had never been so closely trailed. So he probably was involved in that robbery. So, okay, we're, I, I think we're, we'll stop with that one. Yeah, I've got a couple of things to comment on. You know, your time frames that you're discussing about his age and, uh, and the bank robberies and everything, I figured it up while you were talking. And if he did not die in Bolivia and he came back to New York, when you and I were born, he would have been 80 years old. Okay. And, and that's very possible. Yeah. Yeah, 1947, so, my birthday. So next week we've got uh, two more robberies to talk about, and then we'll go into the proof. As to whether or not he did Lived or didn't. Or died. Yeah. That's where, so stay tuned, folks. This is a Saturday morning cliffhanger. <laughs> it is. It is. I, this, you really enjoyed this book, oh, didn't you? You know, I have. Well, look what I've done You've to it. You've messed it up. I've highlighted. I've yeah. paged. Uh, to, almost, anyway, but that's what I do with books. Where is it that they're going to sing when raindrops come falling on your head? Uh, you know, they do not even talk about <laughs> that in this book. <laughs> that. I think it was mostly a Hollywood thing. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Listen, I thoroughly enjoy this. And we've got to get that man on the, on oh, the yeah. program. Yeah, I think he would be great to do yeah. an interview with. First, we've got to find out where he lives. Well, I've got his email address, oh, so okay. I have connection with him now. Ladies and gentlemen, he did it again. Doctor History, outstanding job. Thank you, Doc. You bet. Oh, my goodness. I enjoyed that immensely.